you're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. It's Saturday morning. We're into the almost the latter end of March. Pori Corkin is with us. Good morning. Good morning, dear. How good morning, are you listeners. This morning? Good, good, yeah. Not you a bad have, week at all. Not a bad week. Yeah. Well, this morning aside. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you've come into studio first of all this morning. Bearing uh, gifts, bear, bearing well, presents oh, really? for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll and I thought of you when, when, when I you? actually looked at this product. This is a this is a new product. And don't you know that isn't complimenting my gardening <laughs> skills in any way. It's matching them. <laughs> this is a, a new product from Grosjur. It's a, um, they're called Easy Flowers. And I think we, we talked about them maybe a couple of weeks we back. We did, yes. I do remember you mentioning those all right. And, and we, we, I remember clarifying the name and I said, yeah, talk about it, talk about it. It does what it says on the tin type it of It sure thing. does. And I actually featured this on Ireland DM a couple of weeks back and uh, Alan really loved this product because it's so easy. So really what it is, it's Grosjur. They're Easy Flowers. So mm-hmm. the, the company have put together a collection of flowers, compost, and fertilizer all in the one bag. So it's a little container. Everything that you need to grow the flowers successfully are contained in the bag. And the plants that they've selected are hardy annuals, which means they can be sown directly out into the garden soil. So the next dry day, if you've got a a bare patch of soil in the garden or a flower bed that you want to add a bit of colour or somewhere you just want a spot of colour for the summer, Get yourself a pack of these, rake over the soil first of all, put in a little bit of, of um, well you don't actually need to put in a bit of fertiliser because it's actually contained in the in pack. It, right. And so you rake the soil, you shake on the mix yeah. just over the, the soil area, rake it in and within five to six weeks the flowers will germinate over that period and will start to come into flower. So from about the early part of May, mid-May, the flowers come into bloom and will flower right through till October, November, that sort of period. Wow. So I thought it was a real handy, yeah, and, and very I'm clever. Look, I, I'm looking at the back of it here as you're talking there now. Um, and it's really, uh, I have to say, very good marketing on this. It's made by Westland. Yeah, and they're very good. Um, but the back of it, I mean, for the for the novice, and I stress the word novice, there is like, there's li- little pictures of what to do. You shake the pack, you scatter it, you add the water, and it tells you how things are going to look in weeks two, four, and 8 to 12 and then you have all of the spring sowing and the flowering I have to say very well laid out it for is, people yeah, who are uh, think oh gosh sometimes you know is all that gardening stuff beyond me Yeah, this looks like it might not actually well that's what they're yeah. trying to do they're yeah. trying to make it easy for people and, and the flowers that predict the one you've got there are predominantly very bright um, yes it's called the bright colour mix yeah so you've mm. got oranges and yellows and reds things like calendulas um, chrysanthemums coreopsis those lovely bright flowers dwarf sunflowers all of those plants that will give you a nice kind of a bright shade of colour. So if you have a nice, say, sunny spot in the garden, that's a really good one. Mm. And they also do this one, which is pastel colours. So they tend to be shades of blues, pinks, whites, that those kind of cooler colours. Colours, But right. each pack will cover about about six square metres, which yes. is about 60 square feet. It says three flower beds are 30 containers. I just love the way they've laid out the information. <laughs> Making it so simple. So yeah. that's something to try. You could bring a pack with you and try it out and just see how it's going to work. But the, what I like about it is, is the, the flowers of about 10, maybe 15 varieties of flowers in each pack. And the, 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 the seed that they've actually selected is very s- simple to germinate. So this would be a lovely thing for children in particular because they they will germinate within two to three weeks so you'll actually see the young seedlings begin to peep above the soil by 
the middle of April and then the plants will start to come into flower depending on the weather of course mm. but from about the middle of May onwards and they will continue to bloom right through till we get the hard frost in October, November sort of period. So they're right. giving you that whole summer, summer. period of colour. Um, and again, just having the compost, the seed and the fertiliser all mixed in the one pack, I mean, it makes it so easy. So just uh, do a bit of raking, bang, you rake it, the bang soil. it in yeah. and, off you, and, yeah. and wait. It's going to suit people that maybe have a flower board or a bed that mm. there's nothing in. They just want to add a bit of colour without any fuss. Um, uh, so you simply just rake the soil as I said, the fertiliser is contained in it, the compost is in it and the seed and you simply spread, spread it on. And it's actually quite big. When you take off the, the um, top there, the when you pour it into your hand, it's yeah. quite visible, the actual mix. So it's right. not this very fine. So it's very, very easy. So you easy. can see where you're putting it. Exactly. So if you do want to be a little bit strategic around in the flower bed or whatever, yeah. and you want, say, clumps of flowers. If you want to do it that in, way. Yeah, uh, that, that you could you could create that. Yeah, so it if, doesn't... If it, you didn't want the whole blanket. Exactly. It doesn't have to be mm. an entire bed. If you just want to put pockets, say, mm. of colour into an existing shrub border bed or whatever. Or you might have poor areas in your in your garden that you have a couple of good plants but then there's very bare patches. It sounds like you're speaking from experience here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh don't you know. So yeah yeah, absolutely perfect for that. If you've got gaps in the garden you want to just add a bit of colour and try something different. Now I would say like all young seedlings keep an eye on the frost won't bother them, the wet weather won't bother them that's fine. Well weeds can be an issue and just keep an eye on that but more importantly our friends the slugs and snails just keep an eye right. as the, pl- the plants particularly as they're germinating in the middle of April keep an eye on them and just keep them protected and you did say that this year at the moment anyway we have plenty a them fair out. a lot of yeah, yeah there, there is slugs, plenty of them out with the wet weather okay. so that's something different mm-hmm. something new and um, it, you know it's uh, what I like about Westland is they come at it from the customer's point of well, view well actually I was just thinking that myself because even the uh, the bag and the, the packaging and the information uh, is really customer focused it and yeah. it's not not presuming that you have a load of knowledge, but it's not insulting your lack of it either. Yeah, so, and you don't, yeah the, but we're very well done. And the, and you don't need any knowledge yeah. with it. You just simply put it into the ground yeah. and away, away it goes. So there. So I thought that would be appropriate for today. And speaking of customers, you have a customer night coming we up. We do indeed. Yeah, um, it's always popular this time of year. We always uh, have a, a customer night in the stores. Um, and this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, the 26th, from 7 to 9 p.m., we have a free customer information night. So it's really giving people advice on what they need to do. Because as you know from the questions, there's loads mm. of questions in from on lawn care, on how to prune plants, what, how to feed them, you know, what seeds to sow now, what vegetable plants to sow now. So next Wednesday in Turlock, in Castlebar, in Sligo and in Galway, we will have a free night, 7 to 9 p.m. Just turn up and we have a good few different speakers that will speak on different topics. Um, so if you're just interested in lawn, you can go to the lawn care talk. If you're interested really? in a wide range of products, you can attend them all or uh, topics. And uh, so it's a free night. So it's really helping listeners get back into the garden. So if people want to bring, if they have any problems in the garden, say they have a tree that they want um, us to examine or a piece of shrub or a particular weed in the garden they want to identify, to bring along any problems that you may have in the garden. So so that's next Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. in our Turlock store, our Castle Bar store in, uh, in Turlock, uh, Sligo and Galway and um, 7 to 9 p.m. So just come along and, and, and we give you lots of hints and tips and yeah, fact sheets. And and that's a great idea because I know, I mean, we we, uh, we do provide pretty good uh, information Excellent. on the programme here, but 
you actually bringing in something yeah. that maybe has a problem Absolutely. and you just can't identify what it is. Yeah. It's a great opportunity it to is. do something like that. It is. No, we had a fantastic response to the design weekend last weekend. I said 30, we ended up at 50 yeah, people. Well, I, I think we, so s- we sensed that, that even during the programme, yeah. all right, that it was proving to be very popular. So we're, we're totally booked out for that today. So don't turn up on, on, on unannounced, unannounced unless you're booked in. But I will run that again, mm. maybe in a couple of weeks' time. Um, once we get over this, uh, get, get 50 people through, um, we'll we run it maybe again in mid-April. So for anybody that didn't, um, weren't able to avail of, of uh, the design weekend, I'll mention it again in a couple of weeks' time. We'll take another 40 or 50 okay. people. And it'll be interesting. Maybe we might have a chat about that next week. Yeah. Uh, because it'll be interesting to see what people were coming with. Exactly. I'm, that's what it. the challenges are. Yeah, well, that, I'm going to be there myself today. So I'm just, I'm, that's it. I'm looking forward to seeing what prop people are actually going to bring in. We've asked, asked them to bring in photographs, um, some soil samples and so on. And, and uh, so it'll be just interesting. Yeah, something different. Great stuff. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. I know there are some questions coming in and um, we anticipate that there will be lots more. So if you do have something that you'd like Porig to address on the programme this morning, it's 087 9014141 if you're texting us. And then you can call us either. Teresa is taking calls this morning and that's 0818 Now we're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to come back to some of those questions in just a few moments. You're very welcome back. Um, Porg, we're going to start maybe with lawn care first of all. Yep. Um, I didn't follow your advice and didn't cut my lawn last week. And, and now the grass since. is as high as an elephant's eye, to quote <laughs> Oklahoma. And uh, I'm not sure I'll get to it now because of the weather. Ah, yeah, so anyway, now. that's my own fault. We'll have to just uh, tackle that well, the weather's later to pick in up, the week. I yeah, think. it's to pick up from Wednesday. High pressure back in again Wednesday. So I'd say, you know, by, by this day week or by, you know, Thursday, mm. Wednesday, Thursday. But I did mention that last week that if as soon as you get a dry period if it was the only job I would do is to get the lawn trimmed because it is growing and and as you say when you get some wet weather it, it makes it awkward to go back out on the lawn and again so really you want to wait until it dries up again unfortunately so another Thank few you. days and, no. and the grass has continued to grow it is it's lovely and mild. yeah it's really yeah. And I, even this week now because I was literally watching it day by day I said oh my goodness me what am I going to do there yeah. but anyway so the next opportunity I'll do it out and cut the grass yeah. and, and use the grass box put on the grass box take off any of the first cut that's always important um, and, and get it back and into get it back into shape yeah. uh, now we do have as always, a couple of moss type questions. So go we on. might just deal with the moss yeah, first on. of yeah, all. That's fine. Um, and this is a good one, I suppose. Moss everywhere on the lawn. I want moss killer and lawn feed all in one. Thanks. Well, if if the listener puts on the the Osmo that I mentioned before, that that Osmo, even though it's called Osmo Moss Killer, it's got a full fertilizer in it as well. So it kills the moss and feeds the lawn at the same time. Mm. And the fertilizer that's contained in it is quite good because it feeds over a very long period. There's quite a good bit of organic matter in the the Osmo Moss Remover. So you get you don't get this kind of flush of growth you get a very rich greening and it tends to, the colour stays for a very long period because of that um, the, the formulation of the fertiliser so if the listener simply puts that on uh, you'll kill the moss but you'll also feed the lawn as well all okay. in the one application and somebody else just was wondering about um, how long you have to leave it uh, before or after uh, and then how, when can you cut it? Well, if, you, if you're using something like the Osmo, uh, you, you, you can cut it within a couple of days. It, it, particularly with this wet weather, it will dissolve very, very quickly into the soil. So, I mean, literally the day after, if you wish, or, or two days after, you can start trimming the lawn. Um, so, 
you know, okay. the next fine day, get out and start cutting the lawn. Right, so it's not a case no. of weeks, no, you know, no, no, I suppose, because no, no, some people, when you do give treatments in some instances, it does take a lot longer for it to, you know, actually work and yeah. activate, uh, but not in this instance. No, no, no. You can Once it's applied, once it's washed in, and with literally overnight, if you get some wet weather, it'll be washed in, Great. go out and start trimming the lawn. Okay, now, there's lots of questions on roses this morning, yeah. which is great to see, and there's a good variety of them as well. So we'll focus on roses uh, for a few moments. First of all, um, somebody said two rose bushes about two years ago, no flowers have come on them, they're feeding them, there are thorns on them, and should they're wondering, should they get a new one or will they leave yeah, it? Yeah, take them out. Okay. They've obviously, not performing. Well, they're, they're, the roses are suckering and when they mention the thorns, there's probably lots of thorns on them, which is the sucker that's growing. Like if the rose hasn't flowered in its first year, there's there's something radically wrong. Here it hasn't flowered for two years. So right. take those roses out and replant with fresh roses. Now, as I always say, when you're replanting roses, um, you need to put in, there's a, a, a treatment called uh, root out which is a crystal granule that you add to the soil where you're planting new roses where you've got roses growing already so in this instance dig out those um, suckers and put in some fresh new roses and roses planted at this time of year will bloom this summer oh, right. you know if they're fed and they're looked after you'll get flowers about the end of June right through to the end of the summer so it's not a case you have to wait for years for them to come into bloom so I would take those out replant uh, feed them well with, with something like sudden impact over the growing season and they'll be in bloom in this June. And it's a great time actually to, to plant roses in the garden. It's good planting weather. Okay, so so get, get to it this weekend. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, Sean in Tume has three questions regarding roses. So, good morning, Sean. Uh, first of all, he's wondering, is it late? Is it too late for pruning roses? No. No. Right. And, and that's important and a lot of and again I, I gave the talk mm. in the museum last week on last Saturday we had a great crowd and lots of questions of course roses featured as well they're the most popular flower as you know yes uh, voted always every year as the most popular plant but um, pruning a lot of listeners left the pruning because they saw new growth starting and they're worried that if they prune them back are they going to damage the rose and the answer is no if you don't prune it you're going to end up with a very leggy disease ridden uh, rose, rose plant this yeah. summer so get out there with the secateurs that's a job that could be done this weekend go out even though you see new growth starting on the rose shorten it back to within 8 inches of ground level and I think the, the, the some of the people that they talked last week were shocked when they saw me with the secateurs pruning back various plants and, right were you, you know, well I was making the point that you know pruning of plants you're rejuvenating plants that's what we're essentially doing you're actually giving the plant new opportunity to produce lots of new growth because that physical pruning stimulates new growth in plants and roses in particular unless you get lots of fresh new growth you don't get the abundance of flowers that we're looking for and the roses tend to be thicker and, and leggy so in Sean's case go out there prune them severely back to within six or eight inches of ground level feed them well and within three weeks, there'll be lots of new growth starting and those roses will come into flower in the middle of June. OK, well, he's anticipating you did say to prune because the next question is, he's wondering, does he need to treat the ends after no, cutting? No, no, right. no. You just cut to an outward facing bud and uh, just above the bud and about, you know, li- less than half an inch above the bud. And that's it. They don't need to be uh, sealed or capped or anything like that. So go out and just prune them back. And then what about sowing the cuttings themselves? Well, if you're taking cuttings from roses, you're better to take them in the autumn, the winter period. What will happen is you could try them now. But the, what, what we find at this time of year with rose cuttings is that they dry out before they've got the ability. It'll take about four, three to four weeks for, for roots to be initiated. And within that period at this time of year, the, the cuttings 
things just wither away. Yeah. So if you're taking cuttings from roses, and they do root from cuttings very readily, mm. do that in <clears throat> October, November of next year. So I, in Sean's case, what I would do is prune the roses back severely now, feed them well with the sudden impact, feed them again about a month's time, give them a little application as soon as the new growth comes on them of uh, Rose Clear or Rose Rescue, one of the treatments to keep the black spot off them. And that's it. That's all you've got to do. Great. And you, you know, look at the cuttings then. Mm. Next autumn will be right. a better time to, to, to focus do that on job. that. Yeah. Great. Uh, and also on the roses front, another uh, listener is looking for a good, easy to grow red rose, suitable to grow as a cut flower, and no, they'd right. like a rich dark red if possible. <laughs> very specific. Very specific. Very Good, specific. fair play to you. Well, one of the, the, the nicest roses, I think, is a lovely variety called Ignorant Bergman. And it's got that really vivid, dark, velvet, um, rich red colour, long stems, dark foliage. So it, it resembles the rose that uh, on Valentine's Day, that really dark foliage and a dark red flower. So that's quite a, a nice variety. It's a good time to plant it at this time of year um, and pretends to produce a hybrid tea variety. So that means it produces larger blooms, which are ideal for cutting. Um, another good variety is called Trumpeter, which has kind of more um, bunches of flowers mm. per stem and that, that works well but uh, Ingrid Bergman is, is a really nice variety. Right. Okay. And uh, another listener there on the roses, climbing roses, right. do we prune those in the same way that the, st- the standard rose? Well you, or? you don't prune them as severe, <coughs> you you can prune them at this time yeah, of year. They're just wondering how you go about that. Yeah, so if, if you've got a climbing rose say up on a, on a wall or a trellis or an arch or whatever, you keep the main stem, you shorten the main stem back by maybe a foot and a half so you're reducing it back to maybe seven, eight, six, seven feet in height. But the side stems that come off that main stem, you shorten back quite hard so they're pruned back to the main stem so you leave the, the the main rods of the rose climbing rose bush and shorten back the side shoots so that should be done at this time of year and also the feeding of climbing roses is important now in climbers in general be it honeysuckles or clematis or climbing roses they should be all fed at this time of year with with something with a high potash feed like sudden impact or one of the rose feeds just to mm-hmm. give them a, a little boost now before they come into growth great and uh, not to leave the roses Go just on. yet I'm judging I'm going through them <laughs> trying to yeah. bunch them into subject matter here uh, Caroline good morning to you Caroline is a wild old time roses oh lovely and wondering how you transplant them well you can if they're the old uh, shrub roses you can take cuttings in the autumn um, so like again what I would do with them is just pr- pretty much leave them alone you don't do a lot of pruning with the old shrub roses a slight bit of pruning is fine yeah. so allow them to come into bloom this year they often produce the lovely rose hips in the autumn and the time then to take cuttings of the old roses are late September, October sort of period. That's the time of year you'll get them to root very readily. Now you could try a couple of cuttings of of the young growth in uh, middle of April uh, if you want but the most successful time is autumn time. So any time from mid-November onwards a good time to take cuttings from old shrub roses and transplant them somewhere else. Right. I, I, is there any other kind of roses we haven't covered already Well, you've got miniature, you've okay. got patio roses, you've got ground cover roses, right. you've got we'll, rambling roses. We'll save roses. those for another day. So, <laughs> uh, there's lots of rose questions But the morning. main thing with roses yeah. is the pruning is important, the feeding is critical. If, you're, if you don't feed roses, you're not going to get lots of bloom. And then the other key thing is just to keep an eye on the, on the bugs, on the, the green fly and the black spot. And normally that's about the middle of April, put on an application of Rose Rescue or Rose Clear. And that keeps them nice and clean, nice and healthy. Feed them normally about once a month. And roses will come into flower in June and flower, you know, they flowered up to Christmas this mm. year. They're great, 
Tremendous they did value. actually, yeah. yeah, they did, and um, I think I, I may have availed of a miniature rose, which I passed on to my mother. Now I have to be honest, um, and it, at Christmas there were still flowers, flowers on it, and I remember she saying to me, "Oh, tell Porik that that flower, that, that rose, did, but it did really well." Rose, yeah, and I think it's nearly ready to come back in action again. Well, but yeah, well, yeah, and yeah. it's important that that's, that that would be treated in the yeah. same way. The miniature roses should be pruned back. So, made. so, so that the, the pruning and the feeding is for across the board for all the different categories. Yeah, and, and pruning, and that was the point I was making last weekend, that the pruning, when you, if you're pruning any plant, they always feed and prune at the same time because you're cutting the plant back. And you're giving it something. You want to encourage it to produce lots of new growth. And so if you're pruning a, a dogwood, a cornus or a hydrangea bush or any plant at this time of year, be it a tree, a shrub, a rose, you feed at the same time. Okay, and good. this sort of weather is ideal for feeding because you do need the moisture. The moisture. Yeah. So, you know, people often think, well, I need a fine day to put on some fertiliser. You don't. When you're feeding your roses and your shrubs, you actually want the wet weather to wash it in. So a day like today is ideal for pruning and for feeding. Okay, of course, that's logical when you think about it like that, about the cutting back and the, is. and the feeding. It all well, makes perfect it? sense. <laughs> Maybe to you. Uh, right, we'll move on from roses for a few moments anyway. Yep. Um, now, a listener has, good morning, Thomas, has got ivy growing on Lelandia trees. They're about 25 foot high. How does he get rid of them? The Lelandia or the tree or the ivy? I think it's the ivy. <laughs> oh my goodness me. So, and we had lots of questions in, I think, last week about ivy as well. A bias against Lelandia. Go on. Well, the, the simple trick with, uh, with ivy is um, it, it, it's growing from soil level. So it's it's growing from the, at the base of your Lelandia and using the Lelandia for support and scrambling up through the Lelandia or it'll grow on ash trees or beech or any sort of um, broadleaf tree. Anything that it, it can get support on, it's going to grow. And it, it was one of the things I was advising actually through the winter period, particularly for listeners have got they've got trees close to roadways mm-hmm. ivy can be very damaging particularly in windy weather so it catches the wind because it's evergreen and a lot of trees you know uh, the storms there it pulls them down it does or helps it, to pull them down well it acts like a sail it acts like a, oh, yeah. a sheet and it catches the wind and um, back in February I was coming back up through Ennis and Limerick and the amount of trees broadleaf trees that were down clad with ivy actually you're dead right because now that I think about it any of the ones I'd seen as well they would all nearly have ivy on yeah. them yeah. and ivy is very heavy as it starts to grow up through the trees it gets quite dense quite heavy you know and the, and the branches can get as thick as your arm so it adds a lot of weight to trees so generally along roadways I would advise to remove the ivy now that might not be popular with, with you know I mean birds do nest in them and you've got to bring that into consideration but yeah. particularly whereas a tree might be in a situation where if it falls over it's going to be a danger ivy should be removed in my opinion and it, now is a good time to do that so what you do what do you do what you do simply do in this case is cut the ivy to ground level so sever it where it's actually going on to the, lay, the, the butt of the leyland tr- plant cut it at that level and treat it with a tree and stump treatment so Roundup do a specific treatment called tree and stump treatment it's a particularly good uh, solution that kills off any tough weeds like ivy the, the, the roots of ivy or brambles or nettles or particularly tough weeds you'll find that very effective so in Thomas's case cut the ivy to soil level mm-hmm. t- take about six inches of the stem all around the, the leyland and remove the ivy um, stem itself peel it back a little bit maybe with a sharp knife or an axe so expose the bark and then paint on the tree and stump treatment and that will kill the actual stump uh, of the of the ivy and cause it to die away the, the portion that's left within the tree will wither anyway yeah. and you, you don't have to worry about that that will fall away over time so it's really just dealing with the actual stump of the tree itself 
quite. Now, uh, for the gardening programme, somebody has an amaryllis, Lovely, which yeah. has just finished blooming. Okay, great. Um, and what should they do with the bulb? Will it flower again next year? Yes, it will. And, and just to explain what amaryllis is, they, they're they're bought as a, as a they, they, I suppose they resemble a small turnip, the bulb itself. It's quite a large bulb. And within each bulb, it produces a stem of flower and on each flower stem you get four flowers and this they face north, south, east and west. Beautiful oh, plant, right huge, it, yeah. huge bloom. It's an indoor plant um, so the listener obviously potted up probably in the autumn, came into flower in January, February and now it's just going out of bloom. And like any bulb, the trick is to build the bulb up for next year. So at this time of year you should remove the seed heads there any old flower heads, take off the seed head and the actual flower stem, leave the leaves alone and continue to feed and water the amaryllis for at least another six weeks. So give it some liquid feed like liquid one or a little bit of miracle Grow. Keep it on a bright sunny location for about six weeks. So we're looking at maybe up to the end of April and then you stop watering. You ignore it. So you leave it on the windowsill or whatever and you just stop and the bulb will die back like a daffodil mm-hmm. bulb. It'll die. All the foliage will return to the bulb. And that bulb then can be stored, can be left in the pot until next September. And then you repot it again and you kick it back into growth and it'll come back into flower around Christmas or January of next year. Right. So it's a really easy plant to grow. Um, ideal for a conservatory, a bright windowsill, somewhere like that. Mm. So the trick of this time of year is continue to feed, feed and water encourage you, the the, grow, the leaves will actually start to grow, the bulb will start to swell up and then you stop in six weeks time you literally stop washing it, stop feeding it ignore it for the summer period and store the bulb for, the, for until the autumn Very good. Now mm. uh, from out, inside to outside, uh, somebody has only room to plant one apple tree in their garden. Uh, is there one that will fertilise itself? Yes there are and well, first of all what I would go for is one of the family trees which is basically one apple tree where two varieties or often three varieties of apples are grafted onto the one plant. So that's called a family tree. You've got two or three different varieties. So you could have something like Katie and James Grieve or Katie and Cox's Orange Pippin on the one plant um, and they will pollinate one another. So even though it's just the one tree, you've got two different varieties grafted onto the one. And they're ideal, particularly the cornet family. If you get one of those, they're ideal for containers or raised beds or particularly if you're tight for space. And because you've got the two trees, they'll pollinate one another or the two varieties on the one tree, they'll pollinate each other. There's another very good variety called Red Windsor. Okay. Red Windsor, it's it's um, it's a offspring of Cox's Orange Pippin. So it's uh, it's got that lovely Cox's Orange Pippin taste, which is fantastic flavour. Uh, it's red, it's really bright red, like a... Um, like Red Devil or any of those. It's a really bright red um, and that is a self-fertile variety. So Red Windsor, look for that in your garden centre. It'll pollinate itself if you just want one variety. But my, my, I would lean towards maybe a family tree if they're tight for space and get one of the coronet varieties. It'll only grow to about six or seven feet. You've got two different varieties of apples on the one and they'll complement one another, they'll pollinate one another. And you've got two, two, two different apples then too. To choose from. Yeah, great. A listener would like to cover a garden arch with climbers to flower this year, if possible. Right. What's easy to grow and they'd like colour? Right, well, first of all, it's a great time to plant climbing plants. We touched on the roses, so Mm -hmm. if you want some really good roses, um, two that come to my mind, one called Swan Lake, which is a white, yeah, it's kind of a pink in bud and opens to white, a lovely variety and quite a vigorous variety. Galway Bay is another really nice rose. The two of them actually work very well together. And and often when you're growing climbing roses, it's nice to introduce other climbers up through them. So Clematis, so a nice variety called Dr. Rupel, which has... 
pink and white flowers on the one bloom. Very vigorous. It grows oh. from nothing to six or seven feet in the one year. Oh, so they're two separate pink and white flowers. No, they're, no on the one flower, yeah. uh, you've it's got a striped oh, okay. Dr. Oh, Rupal. Yeah, lovely. it's quite a nice one. It's a kind of a bicolour. Or Hagley Hybrid is a lovely pink. Jackmania is a purple. There's lots of really good clematis varieties and they should be put in at this time of year. Honeysuckle for maybe scent if it's an arch mm. that you're going to be sitting under or close by. So uh, Gold Flame really nice um, honeysuckle variety. Again, if you plant now, it will flower this year. So the roses will bloom this year. Clematis will bloom this year. Um, the the, uh, the uh, honeysuckles will flower this year. Sweet pea would be lovely if you want just something for cutting in the summer. Mm-hmm. Sweet pea should be planted at this time of year. It's frost hardy, so you can plant it out of doors. It'll come into bloom about the end of June. And again, it will flower right through to the heavy frost if you continually pick sweet pea during the summer. So you could get that old cottage garden look on the arch with the climbing roses, the sweet pea, the honeysuckle and the clematis will all offer you good colour and will all flower this year and flower quite extensively right into the autumn. So they're all, all Look, quite good. Look, lots there. Yeah. Um, now, globe artichokes, not yeah. something we, we get to touch on too often. I don't know if I've ever eaten a globe artichoke. It's the flower, the, the actual flower, the fleshy flower that you eat. Oh, right. Not the bait. Oh, that, they're a different kind of they're artichokes. They're Jerusalem, Jerusalem artichokes, oh, yeah. yeah. Globe, globe artichokes are, are those that produce the... It's the flower. flower. A bit like, bit like eating, eating broccoli or cauliflower. You eat, oh. You're eating the actual florets. Okay. So uh, anyway, so the yeah. globe artichoke question what? is, yes. <laughs> can somebody gl- grow it in their flower bed and when will they be ready to eat? Well, they're, they're first of all, they're ready for planting now. So you can buy them as plants or um, the roots are available at, at this time of year. It's it's actually quite a nice plant because it's got lovely silver foliage. Oh. So the our tech, so our it's decorative as well as everything. It, it looks really well. Yeah, it's decorative. That's a better word. <laughs> it's very decorative. So the foliage is a silvery green colour. It's quite vigorous. It grows from not, nothing really to two or three feet by the middle of the summer. Oh. And then it produces the florets in probably around late July, early August. They're very fleshy. You pick them before they start to come into... You're eating basically the flower buds. That's what globe artichokes are. So they need to be picked. Now, generally in their first year, like most, um, like rhubarb or like uh, asparagus, you don't take too much off them. So if it produces a nice crop of flower buds, by all means, you can take them off. But you don't harvest... You don't uh, crop it too heavily in the first year. It is a perennial. It'll come back year after year. And it's perfect in a flower border. Say somewhere you'd have lupins growing or peony roses growing. It gives lovely silver foliage colour. Um, and then the, the artichokes themselves, the actual flower heads are quite decorative as well. Mm. So even to grow it just as a, as as a foliage plant, never mind. No, take, not for eating necessarily. Yeah, it, it, it's actually quite an attractive plant to grow, yeah. So... Perfect in a flower bed, perfect in a, in a maybe in beside rhubarb in a veg garden. Um, but now is the time really to plant it. Great. And one more and then we're going to take a very quick break. Uh, good morning to Margaret, who has a question about sweet William flowers. And she's wondering, will they grow well in an area near the sea? Yeah, sweet Williams, uh, there are different varieties of them. Maybe go for the, the uh, more shorter um, you know, the six inch varieties, the dwarf varieties. Uh, but yeah, sweet William, a great seaside plant. It's actually related to the carnation the dianthus and the dianthus family and it's they'll be coming into flower now in the next two to three weeks so this kind of late spring early summer flowering plant um, and if you prune them back after flowering you tend to get a, quite a number of years out of them they, they can be kind of short lived in mm. that you, you'll get two maybe three seasons out of them but but you can extend the flowering the, the, the longevity of the plant by taking the seeds head, heads off in about the middle of June so yeah a good good sweet William excellent plant for okay. seaside areas go, but go for the dwarf varieties just because of the wind 
Factor. Perfect. Right, we are going to take a quick break, but we still have lots more to come, so stay with us. Hello there. Sorry. Hello there. Good morning. Automatic. Yeah, sorry. We're just going through the questions there. Right. um, We might go to hedging for a second because we seem to have a couple of questions on laurels and about coupling them back and all that sort of thing. So, uh, first of all, I have a laurel hedge, a year and a half old. Should I cut it back this year? And how often should it be fed? Yeah. So, if if you've planted hedges, say, in the autumn or you've got young hedges, it is important to train them from from day one. So, what I would do in this case is if it's only a foot and a half high, take about four or five inches off the tops of the hedge even the overall hedge off to one overall height. And by taking that couple of inches off the top, what it encourages is the, is the laurel to, to shoot lower down. And you end up with a nicer, fuller, uh, denser hedge. So all hedges, irrespective of their age, should be tipped back at this time of year. Um, take them back to, a, to a, a, an overall kind of standard height. Trim the sides a little as well. And as I always say, when you prune, you feed at the same time. So for laurel hedges, and they are looking a bit yellow this year, uh, a little bit of, of the Pro 6, the Osmo Pro 6 is a very good fertiliser for them and again a day like today would be ideal. If you put it on now within two weeks you'll actually see the greening and and it'll encourage new growth but certainly new hedges I would tip them all back and trim the sides as well and that will encourage lots of fresh growth coming on the hedge. And is that really across the board for all hedges we're talking about there? It would apply, like the only one you wouldn't take the top off would be things like conifers where you want a more conical shape, an upright shape. So mm. things like lelandii or thuias, you wouldn't trim back. But if you've got things like golden lelandii, or uh, not golden lelandii, but golden privet, mm. green privet, boxwood, uh, laurels, any of those broad-leaved hedges where you want a nice full dense hedge, then it's important to tip them back. I think one of the questions we had last week was about some listener had a fortinia that was very bare at the base. Yes, and that's, that's typical. Right. That's typical where it's where it not didn't get correct. T- t- it wasn't trained, it wasn't yeah. tipped back. And I'm only talking about inches. I mean, couple, you're taking off that very end shoot and that encourages the plant to fill out. So just literally take off three to four inches of the tip of the shoots if, if it's a young hedge. Right. And there in relation, you just mentioned about the Lelandii. Now, somebody who has a laurel gone tall, so they can cut that back all right. They also have a Lelandii hedge about nine foot high in good shape, but too high. Can they cut it back about two feet? Yes, they can. That's okay to do yeah. now. Now, the thing right. with Lelandii and any conifer is is um, not to prune into old wood. And that particularly applies to the side shoots of the plant. So there's no problem reducing the overall height from nine feet to seven feet. That's perfectly fine. Mm. And now is a good time to do that. Trim the sides, but don't trim back into into old brown wood. So make sure you're only taking maybe six or eight inches off the side shoots, that you're still leaving a nice portion of, of young wood where the Lelandii hedge will reshoot. You often see, particularly on older hedges, where people would take a chainsaw to them and cut them really severely back mm. on the sides, leaving them brown, leaving them bare, and those plants never reshoot again. So Lelandia doesn't have the ability to to produce, you know, new shoots close into old, in old wood. wood. Yeah. Right. So the trick is to, by all means, take two foot off the top of it, but only take the sides back into fresh young wood, last year's wood. So you're only going to be trimming them back six, maybe eight inches, that sort of depth. Now, uh, a listener, Michael, good morning to you, has planted a willow hedge set great. in the last few weeks. That's uh, don't, Fantastic, don't normally yeah. come across willow hedges, do we? Well, it, willow makes a great... Um, remember that it is deciduous, so it's bare in the wintertime. Right. And the, the key thing with willow, and I think I, we, we may have touched on this um, before, but when you are planting willow, the same thing applies. You need to actually prune it hard back to get it to fill out from the base. And willow is so vigorous. I mean, it will grow six feet in the one year. Oh. So there's no problem cutting it back. So when you buy them, they tend to be tall 
tall whippy plants maybe three feet high oh, yeah. I would cut that back to within five six inches of ground level to get it to, to, to produce to lots out. of young shoots at the base and for the for the next couple of years you would prune it back allowing it to grow obviously to get taller mm. but by pruning it back you're ending up in a nice dense full hedge with willow and willow is great particularly in wet if you've got a wet, windy site, oh, yeah. willow tolerates, and it tolerates poor soil, it tolerates uh, boggy soil, it tolerates limey soil. It's kind of one of those really good, I mean, you'll see it growing everywhere on the side of the road. Mm. So, you know, it's, well, yeah, it's really so a tough, hardy, easy to grow uh, plant. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. suffer from well, go on, ask no, me the question. Yeah, the person actually, well, no, they, this one does suffer from go something. On. It's suffering from hairs, no less. Right, okay. They've well, caused that's a lot enough. of damage. Would you have any idea how to stop them? He's yeah, okay. and hairs will. At this time of year, you see they're, they're the hares, of course, are, are very hungry and they'll eat bark and particularly young wood. They love that succulent young bark and, and they can be very damaging on newly planted plants. So you can get a, a product called Grazers, which is um, specifically designed to keep hares, rabbits, deer, pigeons, believe it or not, of off plants. It's very safe to, to apply to the plants. You apply it in a, a dry day mm. and the hares dislike the taste of, of whatever of, yeah, So it's a product called Grazers, specifically for this pers- purpose. <coughs> you mix it in water, you spray it on, it dries onto the willow, and as soon as the hairs taste the bark, they they lose interest. Okay, they go to somewhere else. Hunting elsewhere. Yeah, they will. Um, okay, now, a listener would like to set trees in their lawn in the front of the house, Great. but they don't want anything to, that's going to go very big and wide, so any suggestions there? Yeah, well, some of the, some of the nice kind of smaller, like when we, when we talk about trees, um, you know, a small tree will be things like Mountain ash, white beam makes a lovely small tree, silver foliage, white flowers, mm-hmm. red berries, really hardy, easy to grow plant. Sorbus Joseph Rock, which is in the mountain ash family, again grows. And when I say small, they'll grow to 12, 14 feet, which, which for a front garden is quite appropriate. Yeah. So stay away from things like flowering cherries, maples that grow, the very big maples. Um, where they go brigging out. Yeah, where, yeah. you know, where the, the, where, unless you've got a kind of very large garden there. But the smaller trees, you can get small weeping willows, weeping cotone asters, um, the, anything in the mountain ash family is really good. Laburnum, the, the golden rain tree, again, is a relatively small tree. Uh, liquid amber, which is a really nice tree, uh, lovely foliage colour in the autumn. Um, that makes a, quite a nice plant, say, again, up to about 15 feet, 16 feet. So, and it, it's a really good time to plant trees in the garden. This is the time of year to be getting them in. So, look at my advice is drop down to the local garden centre and just ask them for, to show you the selection of of, um, of slow-growing, um, medium, medium-sized medium trees, trees really would yeah. be suitable for a front garden. I suppose their, their key thing is that it that it's not too big that they're you know say 10 years down the line exactly. they're really sorry that and they're that's very important yeah. and, and you know people and tend thinking, yeah. and they tend to rush out you know particularly cherries when they're in flower <laughs> I mean and they are beautiful oh they're fantastic but, but you have to have the right location absolutely and in a front garden they'll destroy it over time because they're, they're, they're very widespread the roots stay very close to the surface so it is important to pick an appropriate tree for the size of garden Two apple trees that had very little fruit last year and the year before. Yeah. Teresa's in trouble with them. Well, do? it's been, it, and and this isn't surprising. I mean, it, the last two years, have it's been a very tough year on fruiting plants, um, particularly apple trees, because the if you re, if we can remember, back at April and May last year, when the, the trees are in flower, um, and as the young fruit is developing, we had very, very poor weather. So all apples, and a lot of scab around last year as well. So, that you know, it's, it's nothing uncommon. Um, uh, but 
for this year, the, the key thing really, if you haven't pruned your apple trees, that should be done now, just mm-hmm. before they come into leaf. Um, and the other thing is to feed them. And again, feed them at a high potash feed because that induces flowering and fruiting in plants as well. But a lot of the poor fruiting last year was just down to the, the very poor spring we had. It's as simple as that. So it's nothing the listener did wrong. It's yes. very common on... on um, Apples. Now, other fruit did very well, like blackcurrants and gooseberries, which fruited later, mm. actually did extremely well. So top fruit, apples, pears, plums tend to suffer last year. OK, so I suppose if you, if you kind of think back, really, uh, it was a very tardy sort of a spring and then we had the lovely summer. We had June. So the soft fruit benefited exactly. from the summer, but the other fruit really didn't get much yeah. of a chance at the earlier point like of it's the critical. Mm. It's critical in late March, April, as, as the apples come into flower, that we get good weather, allow the bees in to produce the pollination. And then as the fruit begins to form over the next couple of weeks, it's important that the weather is reasonably, and, and last year it was just so wet. Yes. A lot of disease problems. Now, a lily is being grown indoors, but the leaves are getting yellow and they're wilting and the new foliage is delicate. Listener is wondering, should they put it outdoors? Uh, well, yes, and uh, the yellowing would be an indication that the plant is hungry and it's it may, it may be a little bit pot-bound. depends what variety a lily is, but most of the lilies do very well out of doors. They like a free-draining soil, so my advice is to add some sand or perlite or gravel to the planting hole. Plant them in a sunny location and um, I'd leave it maybe for another few, another week, 10 days, Wait, it's a bit still a bit cold, um, and and the plant naturally enough after being inside is going to be used to the nice warm temperature. So keep it in for maybe another couple of weeks, mm. and then plant it, plant it out about the middle of April, um, and it'll be perfectly fine. Give it a little little bit of liquid feed actually at the moment. It'll bring the colour back into. It'll bring it from that yellowish colour back into a nice green colour. Okay, um, moss growing in joints in a nice stone wall. What should they do with it? Or well, isn't that this? attractive and and. Um, Rural looking. Uh, rural looking and, you know. <laughs> People would pay money for that look. Exactly. <laughs> now, look, at if you want to get rid of it, you can use something like um, Jay's fluid could be used on it or, or Militox could be used. We'll get rid of the moss right. that's there on, on stone on walls stone. if you want. But I mean... Would that be know. the same kind of an application as when you have on tarmac and things like that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could use the patio magic yeah. as well if you want to. But look, it, it can actually look quite well. Right. So kind of look at it as a natural side. Yeah, yeah. But if if, if it isn't would, actually adding a little something to the area. Some, pe- some people would kill for that look. <laughs> that mossy... Pages of bone yeah. come to mind. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, okay. Is it a good time to trim gold crest? What's gold crest? Gold crest is a conifer. It's macrocarpa gold crest. Now, what I would say to the listener, first of all, remember that that tree grows enormous. It, it's one of those plants that look fantastic as a young plant. It's another, right? it's another Vogue type plant, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? You know, you can buy it in a small pot and it looks terrific because it's got beautiful golden foliage with yeah. a nice conical shape. But the trouble is it grows 60 feet, 70 feet and it actually doesn't like too much pruning. So be careful, you know, first of all, check where you've planted it. If there's plenty of room, plenty of space, by all means, allow it to grow. But I have often seen them planted on graves. Okay. Right. I've seen them planted in small gardens and they're fine for the first couple of years. But, but they don't yeah, stop. No, they don't. Right. So it's, it's Marcocarpa Goldcrest, a very vigorous, tall conifer. Um, beautiful as a young plant, but do keep an eye on it. And you can do some pruning on it as a young plant and it'll help to keep the, si- the thing. But over time, you're not going to keep it restricted to, right. to a small. So consider maybe transplanting it to a larger area, area. larger space. It depends where the listener has it, of course. Um, but to answer the question, yes, if you want to do some light trimming, pruning on it, do by all means take a couple of inches off it now. And, that, that, and you can keep that kind of nice conical shape that yeah. it has. 
Okay. But it is a, it is it's, a big dream. And it's a lot of work by the sounds of things. Well, it, well, it's it's more that it becomes a nuisance after, uh, you know, after in, in 10 years point. time. Yeah. yeah, you know. You'd be looking to take it up. Exactly, right. exactly. Um, can we plant chive plants out in the garden now? Yeah, and actually yesterday I, I, on Ireland AM I covered uh, the planting of, of herbs and I suppose the point I was making was that, and if people want to look at that, you can podcast it off the Ireland AM website. But... Um, Anne and I were talking about the, the, the various types of herbs you can plant at the, mm. this time of year. So any of the frost hardy like lavender, rosemary, thyme, marjoram, oregano, um, chives, parsley, all can be planted. Mint, we, we were actually featuring the Corsican mint, which is great for oh. tea making, for those tea lovers that like tea mint tea or mint tea is mint, it mint tea, mint tea. I think, yes. that's a, a Corsican mint Corsican Corsican yeah, such mint a range of mint of course there is um, the other mm. one we were looking was one called eau de cologne eau de cologne eau de cologne, cologne. yeah it, mint no? yes yeah. that's where the eau de cologne um, comes from initially comes from yeah it's a, oh, it's a ground it's a, covering mint yeah um, and, and the flavour the, the scent of the foliage is just fantastic it's got that lovely perfumey I suppose type scent so you can make up but from the foliage you can mix it with water and actually make up a eau de cologne type of spray right. but the interesting thing about that particular variety of mint it's great for keeping flies away <laughs> so it probably, had, it probably had other qualities yeah. going, going back the centuries or whatever yeah so that's one to look for it's called mint eau de cologne mint eau de cologne, cologne right it's where the, the original eau de cologne now it's probably chemically produced now but that's where it originally where original started was. yeah in perfumes but it's particularly good for and we'll probably get this more as we go into the summertime but if flies are a problem in your home get a little pot of that um, eau de cologne mint small little pot no. it'll cost you two ninety nine. great idea sit it on the windowsill or pot it up into a bigger mm. pot and that'll help to deter flies uh, during the, the summer period but going back to the question of chives yeah the great time to plant them out um, and herbs in general put them into pots containers window boxes uh, plant them out of doors in the garden soil in the veg gardens great time to plant herbs in the garden Okay we only have time now for one or two more I'm afraid a uh, busy programme this morning um, and I just saw one here somebody has well rotted farmyard manure they're wondering can they put it into the soil or is it good to sow all veg including carrots no, and I think we featured yeah, we this. Yeah, talked about this before, didn't we? Yeah, we yeah. did. What did I say? Uh, no, I think not for carrots. Answer, not yeah. for carrots. Yeah, but first of all, because it makes them fork. Fork. Yeah, it distorts them. Any of the root crops. <laughs> a plus for Deirdre this morning. <laughs> so, but but organic matter, farm manure in particular. Hey, it's 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 liquid gold. Yeah. I mean, you, for for, most things. for potatoes, for cabbage, for broccoli, for sweet peas. I think I mentioned last week for yeah. growing sweet peas. For climbers, if you're putting climbers in the garden, for garden peas, beans. It's a fantastic fertilizer. So dig it into the soil and plant your plants into it and, st- and keep all your root crops away from that area. So turnips, parsnips, uh, ca- uh, carrots, all of those, you just, you put those into that piece of ground next year. So, but certainly any organic matter you have that's well rotted, it's fantastic. Okay. Or if you had rhubarb in the garden, use it as a mulch around the rhubarb at this time of year. And it'll, it'll, it'll really boost it, it on, on yeah. Okay. Or asparagus or anything like any that. Any of those, yeah. right. Yeah. So remember the... the the customer night. Oh, yeah, yeah. The we- customer night. Night, Wednesday, next Wednesday from 7 to 9 pm. That's in our Turlock Centre in Sligo and in in uh, Galway. So, if people want just advice and tips and hints from 7 to 9 pm, come along um, and bring bring the problems with you and we'll, we'll 
we'll diagnose if we can, tell you what to do with them. But we'll also have specific topics covered like lawn care, like pruning of plants, planting of plants, fruit, veg in the garden, uh, herbs. We'll be featuring herbs as well. So there'll be lots to learn. Okay, so if you have a specific problem, by all means, bring it with you. But go along anyway, because yeah, there'll be lots of things. Lots to of hints and tips. And, and it's a free night, 7 to 9 p.m. next Wednesday. I think it's the 26th of, of March. And next Sunday is Mother's Day. And oh Don't gosh, yeah, I, I actually thought it was tomorrow, but now we have an extra week to yes. make 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 things right. Um, and also, just somebody was wondering again if we could mention the name of the uh, bags that we started off with. This the brochure. The brochure. So e- easy flowers. So the, yeah, it's it's simply called brochure easy flowers. And that's available everywhere. Is it, it should be. It should be available. They're, they're, um, we certainly have got them in the garden centres at the moment, and it's a great time to sow them. Any time from the middle of March right through to the end of April, you. Can and sow them. So they're simply the seeds, the, fl- the fertilizer, and the compost all together. You simply chuck it onto the ground and. And Bob's your uncle yeah, in like six weeks' time. And you'll tell us in six weeks how they're, how they're doing. <laughs> I hate being the guinea pig sometimes. <laughs> anyway, listen, Pork, thanks indeed. The programme is podcast um, and will be available hopefully in about an hour's time. We're back again, all going well, next Saturday morning. Uh, until then, have yourselves a very good weekend. Do stand by because Michael Neary is on the way with Country Classics after the news. Trimmed, I beg get, your pardon? Do get your lawn trimmed. And I'll get my lawn trimmed. I have a lot to do in the week. Uh, anyway, We'll talk to you next Saturday just after the news at 7. Have a wonderful weekend. For me for the moment, good morning to you.